We're in the third week of a three-week series on uh, prayer called Too Busy Not to Pray. And um, I don't know about you, but prayer is something that uh, seems easy when you first look at it. But obviously there was something to be said about prayer because obviously there's a right way and a wrong way to pray. Because Jesus spent a lot of time in Scripture talking about prayer. Uh, He talked about uh, the importance of prayer, uh, how to pray, and other things as well. A couple of weeks ago, if you weren't here, we talked about, I I shared out of Colossians 4, where it says to be prepared, uh, or actually to make the most of every opportunity. And it says how we do that in our life, that that we pray. It says that at the beginning of uh, Colossians chapter 4, it says, we pray. And as we pray, what it does, it refocuses our attention. It helps us to refocus the time. It slows us down enough to refocus our attention. I love a quote from Thomas Akempis who said this, A good, devout person first arranges inwardly the things to be done outwardly. One of the things we often do in life, we stay busy. And because of that, our busyness, sometimes we do things that seem urgent but aren't really the best things to do. Uh, this past week I was on vacation and I spent some time reading a book called... Uh, uh, well, actually, it was by a pastor. I was thinking, man, this, this must have been the dream job to have. This pastor, Wayne Kadera, is pastor of a humongous church in Hawaii. But uh, Wayne Kadera uh, wrote a book uh, uh, called Leading on Empty. And it's the whole thing about how you can burn out because you don't slow down enough to focus on the things that are most important. And I spent this, and it's nice to go to Florida. That's where I sat this past week. And uh, I know you, all of you are so, you know, just sorry you had to go. But uh, it was great. But the, it, the biggest thing there was slowing down enough to really focus my attention on the things most important and spending a lot of time journaling, a lot of time in God's Word, a lot of time in prayer, a lot of times on the beach, uh, other things like that as well. But the issue was, is that we need that time because prayer, the first thing that prayer does, and we talked two weeks ago, that prayer refocuses our life and makes our priorities more correct. Um, then last week, uh, Chris talked about a, a famous passage of scripture over in Matthew chapter 6. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And he shared some things from there as well. You know, also in, in Luke chapter 11, uh, we see the Lord's Prayer as well. Uh, in Luke chapter um, 11, it, uh, there's this uh, passage that talks about uh, um, this whole thing of, of prayer. And uh, as Jesus talked there, he actually, he actually says, says to his disciples, one day he was in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he prays the Lord's Prayer. But it's not exactly, but if you read it, you're going like, well, you didn't pray it right, Jesus. Because he says this, he says, when they ask him to pray in Luke 11, he says to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we forgive those, everyone who sins against us, and lead us not to temptation. You're going, well, that's not the whole prayer, Jesus. You didn't pray your prayer right, uh, because that's not all there is in Matthew chapter 6. There's more to that. You know, you usually memorize the Matthew chapter 6 one, not the Luke chapter 11 one. But as Jesus was praying, it wasn't so much about the words as uh, Chris talked about. I listened to him, uh, actually podcast from Florida this past week. And uh, as he talked about it, it's not about memorizing that prayer and praying that prayer. Jesus was saying two or three things there about prayer. He was saying basically this. This is what prayer is, the type of prayer that honors. God, first of all, as we say to God, God, you're great. That's the first thing it says. God, you're great. And we spend some time at the very beginning of our prayer just, just saying, how would be your name? God, you are great. And usually we start off immediately in our prayers by asking for stuff, don't we? But he says, no, that's not where you start. You start with remembering who God is. And sometimes we have to slow down enough to remember that, to think back to what God has done in our lives. And so we remember that. And so that's what in the Luke prayer he's saying you know god 
you're great. That's the first part. The second part of that prayer, which is the same as, and it's not as extensive as in Matthew chapter 6, he says basically this, your deal is more important than my deal. He said, in your prayer life, after you say that God is great, you say to God, your deal, God, your kingdom come. Your deal is more important than my deal. God, what I want to do, it's kind of like we shared a few weeks ago. The whole thing is the answer, the answer is yes. Now, what's the question? That we come to God saying, your deal, God, what you want me to do is more important than what I want to do. So let me know what it is. So you see two-thirds of prayer, in a sense, is saying, God, you're great. Remembering who God is. Secondly, Placing ourselves in a position to be pliable so that God can in our life work in a way that would allow us to become like he wants us to become. So that's part of prayer. And then he says at the end of that, he says, okay, now you can pray for the stuff you need. Give us this day our daily bread, so forth and so on. So that's basically what... uh, what uh, Luke, the Luke 11, the short version of the Lord's Prayer says, it's the same thing it says in Matthew chapter 6. Now, the interesting thing about Luke 11, though, Jesus goes a little further. It's kind of like, okay, God, by the way, guys, since you ask about prayer, let me share with something else. The one issue probably when you begin to ask about stuff, the one issue that gets you in trouble lots of times is the issue of when prayers aren't answered quickly, how do I deal with that? And so he says in Luke, Luke chapter 11, right after he tells them how to pray... He tells them a little parable. Verse 5, he says this. He says, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. If you read the story, I'm not going to read it all right now this morning. But basically the story is this. This friend has another friend who shows up at midnight of all times at his house. He's not prepared for the friend. He doesn't have any bread. In those days, everything had to be fresh baked at that time. He didn't have enough extra laying around. He wanted to give him a meal because he just got there. So he goes to another friend. This first friend goes to a third friend, knocks on his door at midnight, asking him to give him some bread for this other friend who has showed up. And we think, oh, not a big deal. But, you know, it's kind of like the deal. It's, and, the, and the friend that he knocks on the door of and he's inside and he's been asleep and, and everything goes, go away. It's kind of like, you know, we, we live in a world where we all got, have separate bedrooms and stuff. At least, you know, my kids don't sleep in my bedroom. I don't know about yours. If they do, you need to get them out. But, uh, okay, just tell you. But the issue is that the issue is this, though. But you live in a different world. You got, it's kind of like, any of you ever been tent camping? Tent camping. You know what tent camping is? One room, everybody together. It takes a while. You ever, the worst thing that happened in tent camping is in the middle of the night, somebody has to go to the bathroom. Because they have to get up and they have to crawl over everybody to get out of the tent quietly so they won't wake everybody up. If you've never been tent camping, it's an adventure. And this is kind of like that mindset here. These people, uh, you know, in this story, this person who's in his house asleep, all of them slept in kind of one room. It's kind of like tent camping. And, and they were all there. And it was a big, it was not just an easy thing. He was basically waking up the whole family to go get this loaf of bread. And he doesn't want to do it. And finally, you know, after this uh, friend who's knocking on the door, keeps knocking on the door. And finally he gets up and goes, okay, I'll give you some bread. And he goes on. Jesus tells us that story. It's kind of weird because you're going, usually when you think of parables, you think, well, okay, who am I? In the parable, it's me and it's God. Now, who's, is God this grumpy friend who is there? And it's kind of confusing. But over in Matthew, uh, excuse me, in Luke chapter 18, it's on your bulletin this morning. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a similar parable that goes right along with this parable. 
at a different time. Luke chapter 18, he tells us the purpose of the first parable and this parable as well because he starts off by telling us what it is. He says in in Luke uh, chapter 18 verse 1, he told his disciples a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. This first parable is really, that's the purpose, that we should always pray and not give up. There's two types of parables in Scripture. Sometimes there's, there's parables of comparison, you know, God is like this. The other times there's parables of contrast, God is not like this. And basically in both of these stories, and I won't go into this story, you can read this other story in Luke chapter 18. It's a story of the persistent widow who goes before a judge and she's persistent and she keeps going, she keeps going, she keeps going, and he finally relents and gives her what she wants and... And at the end of it, uh, you're going like, okay, does that mean we're supposed to go and just badger God until he he gives us what we want? Is that what it's talking about? But the purpose of this, and this this parable of of, of contrast, is God is not like this this grumpy person friend who's got knocked on the door, you know, and doesn't want to get out of bed. God is not like this this unjust judge who this lady goes to in Luke chapter 18. She, he's not like that at all. You know, if they will relent, if they, they were moved by her persistence, then God is even more moved, but in a different way. There's a purpose for God's not relenting all the time as soon as we pray something. There's a, there's a purpose behind this whole thing of being persistent In our prayers. Because Jesus knew, and I think he told that story in Luke chapter 11, tagging it on to the the short version of the Lord's Prayer there. He tags it on because he knows that one of the problems that we have in prayer is this. Is we get easily discouraged in prayer. We do. I've been listening for the last several weeks uh, uh, as we finished the series. And as as a couple of weeks ago as I was finishing, uh, people coming out the door, I listen to what you say. And some people were talking to me about, you know, hey, I've been praying about this for a long time. How long do I keep on praying? Because we can get discouraged in prayer. You ever prayed for something for a long, long time and it didn't happen? Maybe you're still praying for it? We can get discouraged in prayer very easily. And and the thing is, is that God has a purpose in delaying his response to our prayers. As I've studied prayer over the years... I've seen in Scripture several things that it says to us why God does that. And I want to talk about that this morning because I want you to understand that, that God is not this grumpy old guy who up there we have to badger. He's not this unjust judge who we have to badger. God wants the best for us, but he really delays prayer and he delays the answers and sometimes says no one to answer to prayer for a reason. In Ephesians 6.18 it says, Stay alert and be persistent. In your prayers. Stay alert and be persistent in our prayers. And why should we be persistent in our prayers? Well, let me give you four reasons this morning. Four things that I believe that God says throughout Scripture. Four overarching things that he talks about. About the importance of being persistent in our prayers. Number one. Persistent praying focuses my attention. Persistent praying focuses my attention. See, when I pray, it's not to remind God about something. The God that I know in Scripture is the God who knows all things. Right? Is that the same God that you understand in Scripture? The God who's omniscient, who's all-knowing, he knows everything. So when we pray, it's not like, oh, God, by the way, if in case you forgot. No, that's not the purpose of prayers. Prayer, in a real sense, it's to remind us 
of the source of the answer. When we're persistent in prayer, it keeps us focused. It helps us to focus our attention on, on, on the things that we need to be focused upon. Because we talked about the first week that we get busy in life and prayer slows us down, allows us to begin the process of refocusing our attention on things that are most important. As I was reading that book, Leading on Empty by Wayne Codero, he says that most of us, uh, that we have about 85% of things in life that we all do that uh, anybody else could do. 85%. Aren't you encouraged by that? It means you're useless and I'm useless. No, not really. But he's saying, you know, 85% of the things that we do in life activities are probably things that anybody could do. He says there's another 10% of things that anybody that's trained could still do the same things that we could do. And there's only 5% of things in life that only we could do that we need to focus our attention upon and give our attention to. I believe prayer focuses our attention. I'm going to share those things later on in the relationship series, by the way. But prayer, in a real sense, is something that allows us to focus our attention on the things that are most important. You know, if, if every prayer you ever prayed was instantly answered... Instantly, you prayed a prayer and it was instantly answered. A couple of things would happen to you and to me. Number one is prayers would become a weapon of destruction. <laughs> Can you imagine? I pray the prayer. It happens. I mean, you could, you could do it. Man, what a power. You could do all kind of crazy things you wouldn't want to do. Sometimes, you know, I'm not going to ask you because you're thinking about them right now. Uh, number two, you know, if, if, if prayers were instantly answered, it could become a weapon of destruction. Number two, if every prayer you prayed instantly was answered, you'd never think about God. Your whole focus would be upon praying the prayer, having the thing done, and going on. God would be like a vending machine. Do you ever sit around and think about vending machines? I mean, is that your focus? No, you go to a vending machine, put your stuff in, because you know as soon as you put something in, unless it's broken, it'll come out automatically. So God says that persistent praying focuses our attention. While we continue to pray over and over and over, it begins to focus our attention. Remember uh, last week when Chris was talking about Matthew chapter 6, in in, uh, one of the verses, it talks about the importance of of slowing down to pray. It says, actually, the message in verse 6, it says, here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. It says it's important where we go and how we do prayer. We need to find a quiet, secluded place. Now, it doesn't mean you can't pray going down the road in your car. You can't pray, you know, other places. But it's saying real prayer that's going to make the difference in your life needs to be prayer that's set aside. In a location, set aside in a quiet, secluded place, wherever that might be, so you can focus your attention. Have you ever noticed that people, yourself included, when you're in, you pray in front of anybody, I mean, some of you are terrified of that, I know, but if you pray in front of somebody, you pray differently than you do if you just pray alone? You know, if my kids came to me one day and they say, you know, uh, oh, almighty, omnipotent creator of our family, I mean, use big words, you know, what would they be doing? They're trying to get something. It's what they're trying to do. You know, that's what they're doing. They don't come to me and talk because they have a relationship with me. They come to me and they talk to me in real English. Hey, dad, I need some money. Or, hey, dad, can you do this? Or whatever it might be. You talk in real language. And say, it's what, what Jesus was saying when he talked about this whole thing of clarifying and focusing our attention. He's saying to us in a real sense that he's saying we need to slow down to focus our attention. We need to speak in real words to God. You don't have to have a special prayer language. You can just pray in English. 
If you, that's your primary language, if it's Spanish, if it's another, whatever it may be, just pray and, and speak the truth to God. Be honest to God. Be simply and uh, be there and simply and honest. Romans eight seven is a great verse. It says this: focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. See, one of the problems we have in life, we're so focused on our agenda, what we're to do, what we're to do, what we're to do, is that one of the reasons God wants us to be persistent in prayer is because it begins to slowly remove our focus from ourself and place it upon God. It focuses, focuses our attention. That's the first reason that God wants us to be persistent in prayer. One of the reasons he doesn't automatically say, okay, there's the answer. He wants us to begin to learn to be dependent upon him and focus our attention on him. That's what persistent praying is. It focuses us on God. That's number one. Number two, the second thing I see in Scripture that God does, and the reason that he wants us to be persistent in prayer, and he doesn't answer our, every prayer the, the moment we pray him, is this. Persistent prayer or persistent praying clarifies my request. A delayed answer gives me the time to refine my prayers. You ever prayed anything and then later on you said, I wish I hadn't prayed that? Because you thought how dumb it was? You know, in, in a moment you're going like, oh, if you answered that one, oh, whoa, I'd be in trouble. Um, sometimes when we pray, we pray very vague prayers. Like, like uh, God be with us. Or God bless me. What does that mean? What does it mean for God to bless me? You know what? In Scripture, actually in some places it says that, that, that uh, God bringing uh, a difficulty into your life, uh, 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 sometimes a problem into your life can be a blessing. It actually says that in Scripture. Is that what you're praying for when you're saying, God, give me a blessing? Give me a problem. Have you really thought about that? You know, sometimes the best thing to pray is trying to get you in line with God. And the problem is sometimes is that problems are the only things that get our attention. And so one of the things that we're to do about being persistent in praying, continue to pray, pray and pray and pray, is it clarifies my request. It helps us in a real sense to understand what I'm trying to pray for. It helps us to get it in line with God's truth. Because over a period of time, as we pray that, we pray with individually, we pray with groups, and others, and, and God's word helps to clarify that. You ever prayed for something and you didn't really know how to pray for it? You didn't really have the words for it? But you know there was something deep in your spirit that wanted to be prayed for. Well, the Bible says as we pray, it says this in Romans eight twenty six: The Holy Spirit helps us in our distress. For we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. So the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. One of the things that I have found in life is that I've prayed for something over a period of time. God's Spirit living within me. When you become a believer, God's Spirit comes into your life and you... It's not something so tangible that you can feel it. But in a real sense, it begins to give you the direction, the comfort, help you to see things in a different way. It's a process. And in doing so, it clarifies the request. It helps you to see more clearly what it is that God wants you to do and, and how uh, that prayer should be shaped in a real sense. See, sometimes God waits to answer your prayer because he's helping you to think through uh, what's the real problem. That's why he doesn't immediately Always answer your prayer right then. He sometimes makes it delayed because he wants you and me to grow up and to be mature in him. That's the second thing that I see in Scripture. Persistent praying clarifies my request. Number three, persistent praying tests my faith. Persistent praying tests my faith. 
Now, let me ask you, how does God test your faith? You know, the, one of the answers to that in Scripture is that sometimes it's this whole process of delay of helping you to be patient, learn patience. How many of you here love to be patient? I tell you this, uh, the old, I thought used to think that the older you got, you'd become more patient. <laughs> the other day I was sitting on the beach. Now, and this is a good story. I was sitting on the beach writing in my journal. And, uh, and I was sitting there and, and I, was going, I was going, okay, God. I, and and, and I, was, I found myself writing these words. God, please make this happen now. In some areas of my life, I'm very patient. In other areas, I've become impatient because I'm look, realizing that probably I have less of my life left that's behind me than I have ahead of me. Isn't that a morbid thought? <laughs> it's reality, though. And so, in a real sense, patience is not something that's, that's always something there. Uh, but persistent praying uh, tests my faith because sometimes uh, God uses that, to, that delay as a test. Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? Yeah. You're going like, God, this is obvious, God. You've got to want this one. Why aren't you answering this one, whatever this one is? And God's plan uh, doesn't work as quickly as, and he tests your faith through delays. In James 1, it says this, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. See, one of the things that God uses delayed prayer in, persistence in prayer in, continuing to pray, is he wants to grow us up to mature us. And in a real sense, the only way you're ever going to grow to maturity, emotional maturity and spiritual maturity, is to have your faith tested. And one of the ways he's going to test your faith and my faith, he's going to delay answers to prayer so that we begin to trust in him over a period of time. One of the tests of maturity in the Christian life is how long can you wait? How long can you wait? I don't like that. You don't like it. But it's part of what God does in our life. You know, I I was uh, uh, about a year and a half ago. uh, I was sitting in our uh, association or denominational meeting over at Northwoods Church, and uh, we were having our meeting, and I ran into, and it kind of began a process of talking to one of our missionaries uh, from the Basque country, uh, John Chadwin. And uh, I was talking to him, and we're going to be doing, we're gonna, I'll pull a plug here, uh, we're going to be doing, uh, this, this, this summer we're doing a thing, we're going to have about 10 Basque students here. Uh, place Basque is a, is a, is a group, people group that's on the northern Spain, southern France area. Uh, the only unreached people group in all of Western Europe. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of a middle class group of people, but it's very unchurched. Men have no real churches, no Christian churches there whatsoever in a country of three million, something like that, people. Large group. But for, year, uh, for many years, many years ago, uh, I don't know exactly the dates, but for many years, John and Mary Shadowin, these, this couple that, that are out in uh, Indiana from one of our denominational churches, Brookside Church, they were over in the Basque country as missionaries. Their, their deal was, and they prayed every day about this, and other people were praying about this, that God would open doors for them to make connections with people and be able to get into the homes of the people in the Basque country. They lived there. 
And John said one of the most frustrating things in his whole life was he, he says, he know, you know, you know that God wants, God wants these people to come to Christ because they're, they're, they're lost. But the issue was is they were there for several years and not, didn't get into one home in Basque Country. This is a very close, closed group of people. And so they kind of left the Basque Country for, for a while, went back to their home church, continued to pray for the Basque, and that over all this time they were just, they were just waiting. And then this, this, this group of people in, in, in the um, far western, northwest part of, of, of America started this thing, uh, kind of came out of, a, uh, uh, of a, uh, a pro- another program, started this thing called Summer in the USA. Impact Basque. And what it was was a simple process of where they would get teenagers who were coming out of high or in high school to come and stay for a month in their homes. Tell them, you know, these kids wanted to come because they wanted this American immersion experience. And they would come over and pay part of their way. Churches pay part of their way. And what did that, what it helped them was doing? They said they'd have them, they'd give them fun. They would help them to learn English better, fluency. Uh, what's the other four F's? Faith and family. They, give them, they said the best families around were uh, Christian families. And also they told them, this bunch of kids who were not Christians and they had no desire. They said, you know, when you come, you're to do everything with the family. That means go to church. So this summer we'll have 10 Basque kids here in church who come out of atheistic, agnostic families. But amazing thing, after all this time, after all these years and all this praying... John said the most amazing thing, the simple little process of bringing kids into homes have built relationships. And for the first time, and, and uh, Heather was, was at a, a conference out in Seattle or somewhere like that uh, this year and tell, heard the story about how, for the first time, some of these, these kids came over, built relationships with families here for a month, went back. Their family built relationships with the families over there and are starting to have open doors and invitations from Basque families to come and visit with them. You know, God uh, sometimes tests her faith through delays. He does that in our lives. And sometimes it takes a long time, but God is growing us up. And he wants us to take the t- step of faith as far as God will lead us. Uh, John and Mary were faithful for all those years. They prayed for all those years, saw no, th- nothing happening. But now finally, those prayers are being answered. And we can be a part of that this year as well. Number four. The fourth thing that happens when, when we see prayer, the fourth reason for persistent praying is persistent praying prepares my heart for the answer. Persistent praying prayers uh, prepares my heart for the answer. You see, when you pray and make a request for God, and when I pray and make a request of God, almost always God wants to answer us in a bigger way than you and I pray about. You know how I know that? Because it says it in Scripture. It says it in Ephesians 3.20. God can do much, much more than anything we ask or even imagine. Our prayers are limiting sometimes. We begin to pray about something and God says, okay, you know, what I want is I want to, I've got something bigger in mind. And if I answer your little prayer right now, the bigger prayer will not be answered because you won't, be praying as, as, he, as we persistently pray, God expands our horizon. I shared with you uh, back, you know, before that, you know, when I began to seek where God wanted me to go next in ministry, my prayer was, okay, God, I'll go anywhere south. And I'm going to tell you, after this week in Florida, I still don't understand why God didn't answer that prayer. 
Because I cannot tell you how much I enjoyed warm weather. But as, 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 as I began to pray, and over a period of two years, God began to expand my wife's and I's horizons and think in a different way, a larger prayer. Hey, Bill, I want you to go to Germantown Hills, Illinois. Totally off my radar. And I'm so glad he did. Now, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to stay here when I, when I retire, okay? Which may be 100 years from now, uh, based on e- recent economic conditions. But, uh, but the issue is, is that the thing is, is that, uh, is that God wants to... It, our prayers usually are very limiting. We limit God with our praying. God wants to expand our mind through prayers. And one of the things he does, he wants us to be persistent. And through that persistent prayer, he begins to expand our mind. Sometimes we also pray things that the reason he doesn't answer uh, is because uh, we pray things that are so menial that God doesn't even want us to even deal with it. He, you know, I, I love C.S. Lewis in his uh, book, Letters to Malcolm. He says this, if God had granted all the silly prayers I've made in my life, where would I be now? God wants us to pray bigger. You know, there's a, you ever seen the bumper sticker? Maybe you have one on your car that says prayer changes things. You ever seen that one? Prayer doesn't change things. Prayer changes us. It's what prayer does. It begins to do all these things in our lives. See, while you're waiting on God, God is working. He's working on us. He's working in the situation. He's waiting for the right time. And once you are ready for the answer. He will begin to move in your life, in the lives of those you're praying for. I remember, you know, when we started the series back a couple of weeks ago, whole two weeks ago, we remember this. Uh, we give you a little sheet that said, uh, my top 10 in 2010. If you didn't get that, you need to get one. It's a little sheet of paper. And on one side, it has 10 blanks. And what I challenged you to do was to pray, put on those blanks, names of people that you know. That need to know Jesus Christ. And I said one of the first things I want you to do. Is I want you to begin to pray for these people. And some of these people may be people you've already been praying for. For a long time. But don't give up. Be persistent in prayers. God is doing something even when you don't see it. And he may have something much bigger. In mind. For that person or for for the situation than you can even imagine. I remember a story that I read back years ago. Uh, It's about a missionary. His name was Reese House. What an interesting name. Reese House. And he was a famous missionary from England. And he was was, uh, a missionary to Africa back in the 1930s and the 1940s. And he was living in England and he really felt that God was saying to him, I want you to go to Africa and to share the good news of Jesus Christ there. And he prayed about this for, for a long, long, long time, years. And he got to the point where he was getting discouraged and, and he kept praying, if I only had enough money, you know, uh, I, could, I could go to, to England. But he, he said, I only have enough money to make it to London on a trade. He lived in another part of England. So he sat around his house for several weeks. He had to ask other people to pray for this, actually several months. Finally, someone comes to him and says, I thought you were going to go to Africa as a missionary. He said, why are you still here? He says, I don't have the money. I'm waiting for God to give it to me. I've got enough to get to London. And his friend challenged him. He says, well, why don't you just go ahead and take the first step? Go to London. You, gotta, you can go that far, right? He said, well, yeah. So he gets on the train. He goes to London. 
And the man said, then you better, you know, do that. So he bought the ticket, went to London. He packs, gets on the train, goes to London, gets off the train at the train station in London. He's standing there. He has no money for food, no money for, for uh, housing that night. He doesn't know, know anybody there. He doesn't know what to do next. But he was challenged to take the first step. The first thing that he knew he could do, he take, took that little step. He says, true story, he says, as I was standing in line there, he said, I was beginning to pray to God. God, you, you know, for years you've told me to go to Africa. I believe this is what you want me to do. I've taken the first step of faith. What's next? He said, the thought came to him, well, maybe I should just get in line to go buy a ticket. He thought, I don't have any money, but, you know, why not? So he picks up his luggage, he walks down to the docks, he gets in, like, actually a ticket to get uh, a ticket for the ship to go to Africa. He gets in line to buy a ticket. The closer he gets to the, to the end of the line, he's going, what's going to happen? This is going to look foolish. I don't have any money. He gets all the way up to the fourth person in line, and all of a sudden the guy standing in front of him the entire time turns around and says, I'm sorry, I have to go. I was supposed to turn these tickets in. I don't have time to wait anymore. Here, you can have them. That was the beginning of his adventure as a missionary to Africa. Now, I mean, his story goes on and on about God, you know, as he took the first step. Sometimes we're ready for God to give us the whole package. Sometimes he says, okay, you can do this. I've shown you this step. Do it. Then I'll take you to the next step and the next step. Because God wants to grow us in our faith. He wants to clarify our request. He wants to test our faith. He, he wants to, to do all these things, get our attention better. The point of the two parables that we started off with tonight is real, today is real simple. The point of the two parables is this. Don't give up in praying. Don't be discouraged. Don't give up, look up. Don't, don't despair, turn to prayer. Personally, many, many times I've had requests in my life that, have, that I've prayed that have still haven't been answered. And sometimes, you know, I have them on my prayer list. I've had certain things on my prayer list for 20 years. People that I've prayed for. But I believe that God wants me to still pray for them and still keep my mind focused on those people and those things because I don't know what God's doing in other arenas of life. I don't know other people he's bringing into their life. I don't see the big picture. He says me to do my part. And my part is not to be, uh, to be persistent in prayer and not give up. When God doesn't answer your prayers, you need to remember a couple of very important truths. First of all, God is in control. We're not. He sees the big picture. We don't. Do what you can do. Secondly, the second thing is to remember that God will honor your patience. He's using it to do all these things that we just talked about. He's using it to grow you up, to mature you, to help you to clarify the request, to see the bigger picture of what God is doing, to, to open new horizons. A couple of passages of Scripture I want to close with, just to leave them as reminders to you, is two passages that is, means a lot to me. The first is in Isaiah. Isaiah 49 says this. The Lord says, no one who waits on my help will be disappointed. No one who waits for my help will be disappointed. When God promises something, he's not like us. He always comes through. And secondly, one of my favorite passages, which I'm reminded of every day, I have it in my prayer journal, is in, is in Philippians 4. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The thing is, is, you know, we can be people who pray and give up and go on and say, God's not doing anything. Or we can be people who are persistent in prayer. I love Daniel Boone's story. Daniel Boone, one time somebody asked Daniel Boone, the the famous frontiersman, they asked him uh, this question, have you ever gotten lost in the wilderness? I thought it was an interesting response. He says, no, I've never been lost. I've been bewildered for weeks at a time. But I've never been lost. He says, when you're bewildered, you just keep on going. And that's what prayer does for us. We keep on going. Be persistent. God is at work. Don't give up. I mean, that's straightforward in Scripture. Luke 18.1. Don't give up. God is working in the prayers even when we don't see it. And he's helping us to become more like him through the process. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.